0: The Eco-Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco-Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Welcome listeners to our inaugural episode of the Eco-Right Speaks, a
1: podcast produced by RepublicEN.org. I'm Chelsea Henderson, Director of Editorial Content at RepublicEN, an organization founded by our esteemed Executive Director, former South Carolina Congressman Bob Inglis. Welcome, Bob. Great to
2: be with you, Chelsea. Thanks.
1: I thought it would just be great for some of our listeners who might not have heard of RepublicEN.org to hear from you, our founder, about what we represent, what we're all about, and what we're trying to do on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, so we're conservatives, reaching conservatives on climate change, showing that there are free enterprise solutions to this uh, most pressing problem we're facing. And so it's pretty exciting, really, to offer up uh, the free enterprise solutions when we're used to hearing the big government solutions.
1: And maybe for some of our listeners, you could take a moment to explain the difference between a big government solution and what we consider an efficient and elegant solution, I like to say.
2: Yes, very elegant it is to have the marketplace um, drive competition and have um, consumers in the liberty of of self-interest choosing their self-interest by choosing products and services that um, uh, have fewer emissions. And the way we think that can be done is by... Putting all the cost in on all the fuels and eliminating all the subsidies, having a true level playing field on which uh, competing fuel sources can offer their services, uh, offer their energy to the marketplace. And then the marketplace has millions and billions of us making our own choices without the government putting its thumb on the scales of one or another. Uh, favoring this one, disfavoring that one, or without the government regulating um, the emissions. We, we think that that's a particularly cumbersome approach uh, because those regulations can be evaded. They can surely be litigated and a very drawn out process. Um, the incentives are sometimes fickle. They, they're they here for a while, then they go away. Uh, but if you can just level the playing field and make it really quite permanent that there's going to be a transparent, accountable marketplace here, then consumers will drive this innovation.
1: Bob, one of the most, um, I think, illustrative examples that I've heard you give about how a carbon tax would work or how eliminating subsidies would work in this case is when you talk about comparing carbon emissions, fossil fuel emissions for free right now into the air, which is what companies get to do, manufacturing gets to do, versus going to the dump. We go to the dump and we pay a tipping fee to get rid of our waste, but right now that isn't happening when the waste is carbon dioxide. And you say it way much better than I do, so I thought maybe you could just share that example. Yeah,
2: it's like this. If I'm a trash hauler and I get to bring loads and loads of trash to the city dump, I'm charging my customers for to haul it away, but not being charged by the city for the dumping there, then what happens is I'll bring a lot of trash to the dump and my customers will give me a lot of trash to take to the dump. But the city then, once we fill up the dump, has to build a new one. And so... The cost of my trash hauling business is actually spread across the city, where it shouldn't be that way. If you believe in free enterprise, as we do at republician.org, it should be that no, no, Anglis, if you're in the trash hauling business, pay for the space you're taking up in the city dump, and then when the dump's full, the city will have money to build another dump. Um, And Anglus, pass that customer, pass that cost of the tipping fee onto your customers because they should be paying. After all, we all should be accountable. If you're taking up space in the city dump, pay for it. Um, And likewise, in the air, if we're dumping stuff in the air, there's only so much space there that can be safely, uh, amount of of stuff that can be put there safely. And so we got to, limit the amount we put there. And the best way to do that is just to charge a tipping fee, essentially. That's what, that's essentially how a carbon tax it works. It's a tipping fee for jumping in the trash dump of the sky.
1: So on this podcast, I hope, we hope to entice a number of members of the community we refer to as the eco-right. Let's talk a little bit about what that word eco right means. What does it mean to you, Bob?
2: Um, we're eco-right, which means we're a balance to the environmental left. You know, there's an enormous left wing in this country in the environmental movement. They um, have and spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Uh, there's a teeny little bit of money and effort spent on the right. Uh, we call it the eco-right. Um, as a result, uh, this uh, uh, the eagle doesn't fly straight. You know, it's got an enormous left wing and a teeny weeny right wing. And so our role at republician.org is to try to help expand that right wing so that uh, people who believe in free enterprise and believe in accountable markets and transparent marketplaces can come forward with solutions that fit with their values and that can therefore balance the regulatory impulse really of the environmental left. And and the good news is for uh, many, uh, on the left, they, they would accept, in the case of climate change, this idea that you simply price in the cost of burning fuels, uh, fossil fuels. You don't you don't so much try to regulate them. You try to price in the negative effects through um, some carbon tax. Now, where we differ, some from our friends on the left, is we would insist on that being revenue neutral. In other words, we want to cut taxes somewhere else or dividend all the carbon tax revenue back to the citizenry so we don't grow the government. And um, But like them, we would want to apply it at our borders so that we get the whole world in on this. Um, But it's it's an opportunity to, as the eco-right to balance our friends on the environmental left.
1: Right. I think that's a really good point that you just made, that neither the left without the right or the right without the left is going to be able to enact durable climate change legislation. So if you can take this idea that we have and our small, but I will say growing community of eco-writers, and if we have some folks on the left who are willing to kind of come and meet us where we are, then it's a really exciting opportunity to see the U.S. finally address climate change.
2: Yeah, I mean, it really is exciting to know that there are people on the left who would who would agree with this idea that you, you you simply internalize negative externalities? That sounds make us sound like an economist, doesn't it, if we say that but uh, <laughs> what,
3: what,
2: what it means is is simply you you make it so that we all see the true cost um, because as long as we get away with uh, hiding some of our costs, then we're not accountable. and havoc results when people aren't accountable this really is something that People on the right believe very soundly that you've got to have accountability. If you don't have accountability, then the result is uh, havoc. Climate change is the havoc from a lack of accountability for emissions. And so the good news is, say, is there there are a good number of people on the left who would agree with this. And the result is it it really will be possible at some point to bring America together and lead the world to a solution on climate change.
1: Well, hopefully, through this podcast, we can elevate some of those voices in the eco-right so that we can break this myth that conservatives don't care about climate change. I'm pretty sure we know most of the conservatives who care about climate change, and I'm super excited myself to hear some of their voices. I'm wondering if you have any dream guests who you would love for us to be able to, to get on, and I should just note for our listeners. Bob and I will definitely be tag teaming who conducts these interviews and maybe we'll even do some together. We get to make up the rules because it's our podcast. But who would you love to see on the show? You tell me first and then I'll tell you who I want to get.
2: I think uh, in a political context, it would be uh, Senator uh, Mike Braun and uh, Senator Mitt Romney together. Reason being, um, I think that these are two folks who really understand markets and how uh, free enterprise works. Both of them were very successful in, uh, in a free enterprise pursuits before they went to the Senate. And I think that they uh, their, their voices be particularly important in the political context um, and, and uh, sort of the scientific context. I hope we can get Catherine Hayhoe on here at some point. Um, and in the faith context, Please. I'm very interested in hearing from uh, Lindsey Linsky, let's say. Or uh, Russell Moore, I would love to hear from, in the Southern Baptist Convention. So uh, these are it's sort of a range, you know, from political to to uh, people in the scientific community, and then people uh, in the in the faith community.
1: Well, as a recovering Senate staffer, I shared your dream to have Senators Braun and Romney featured here, and I'm even sort of looking across the aisle to Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island as somebody who's in the past seemed willing to listen to the other side and kind of reach across the aisle, he reached out, his office reached out to our spokesperson, John Sweeney, who is going to be among our first guests, Um, when John was published in the National Review online last year. And I thought that that was a really good sign. And he had everyone in his office read John's op-ed. And it's that kind of leaving of the bubble that I think we all need to do more of. And hopefully some people will leave their bubbles to hear what the Eco Rights Speaks podcast has to say.
2: Yeah. I'm for that with um, uh, Senator Whitehouse. Um, You know, I went to the same law school, uh, just a couple of years apart actually. So, um, and he really is somebody that understands the importance of acting on climate change and somebody who, understands that in order to be durable, it needs to be bipartisan. And so um, I think that we'll find uh, uh, Sheldon Whitehouse uh, willing to be on the podcast with us.
1: Well, I hope he's listening. Um, As you know, Bob, I am also really excited to hear from some of our spokespeople. And I Already recorded our first episode with our political strategist, Mariana Mancuso from Florida. She's going to be our first guest. And just to give folks a little preview of what she and I talked about, we really geeked out on all the eco-friendly products we use. And what I loved about this conversation is that it reminds me of the first time that we met. Do you remember when we bonded over our reusable water bottles?
2: Oh, yes. I've got, I've got my favorite water bottle that I carry around with me it's uh, it's here with me in my book bag, although the book bag isn't going in many places right now at coronavirus times, but <laughs> it's uh, the key to it is it's got a small opening because I used to have one that had a big opening, and wouldn't you know it? The taxi moved at exactly the wrong moment, and yes, deluge uh, right into the lap um, that's a problem, so you wanted a small opening. So you can make sure to control that if you're taking a sip in the taxi.
1: Yes, as a clumsy person, I am with you on that for sure. Um, we, Bob and I definitely back. I feel like before it was kind of the thing for everyone to have a reusable water bottle. We lugged our bottles to the first meeting that we were in together, and I just have never forgotten that moment. And so with Mariana and I, we have a whole slew of things we're going to talk about with our guests. And so... I hope our listeners will stay tuned and join us for our first full-length episode of The eco Speaks, which is your RepublicEN.org podcast. Don't miss it.
0: RepublicEN.org is the leading voice for climate action, and we want to hear from you. Now, let's continue with this week's episode.
4: welcome to our listeners to The eco Speaks, a podcast produced by RepublicEN.org. I'm Chelsea Henderson, Director of Editorial Content at RepublicEN.org, and I'm so happy today to be joined for our inaugural episode by Florida political strategist Mary Anna Mancuso who also serves on our spokesperson team, a group of 30-plus super volunteers who write op-eds and letters to the editor, take to social media, and help organize events, both in-person and in these coronavirus days, virtual events as well. Welcome, Mariana.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Chelsea. I'm really excited to be here.
4: So today we are going to talk about what makes Mariana tick, which to me means why she is driven to help us amplify the message that conservatives are important to climate change action. And then later, she and I are going to geek out on our favorite eco products. So Marianna, when in your day to day life, I know that you come across a lot of political activity and you develop strategy. So when did you start to see an uptick in conservative lawmakers wanting to talk about climate change?
3: I think I've seen kind of a more uptick happening in the past five to seven years, really. And maybe it's been because I've spent more time living in Florida. So I moved to Florida. Gosh, it'll be eight years this July. And living in Florida, you are constantly in, you know, obviously seeing climate change happen from the algae blooms that we have in parts of the state, as well as the red tide, and just how the climate is really affecting Florida in general from our weather, you know, we're having hotter summers and a little bit colder winters and then the hurricanes. And there's so much weather in Florida. And I don't think people realize, at least I didn't realize it until I moved to the Sunshine State. And so it really started to kind of, it was really front and center for me, especially, you know, loving to go to the beach and seeing how beach erosion has changed since when I first moved here to today. Yeah,
4: that's a lot. And it is hurricane season now, which I know it seems like maybe you just um, got a little bit lucky with the storm that ended up passing you guys by.
3: Yes, we we hope to continue to have all of the luck uh, on our side this hurricane season with the pandemic and everything that's happening. I, I think it's really safe to say that Floridians are hoping that hurricane season will just come in and sit down and be quiet. Yeah, I think you deserve (laughs) a break. I think we all deserve
4: a break, right? (laughs) We
3: really, really do, absolutely. So yes, we were very, very blessed that the most recent tropical storm kind of passed over us with little fanfare. Well, Florida
4: is definitely on the front lines for climate change for all the reasons you just mentioned. And I'm wondering with that perspective, how sustainable do you think it is for lawmakers to hold on to an antiquated climate position that either, I think there's still a few that have their head in the sand and then some of the denial has kind of evolved more into while well, the climate's changing, but it's always been changing, it's natural weather patterns. How long do you really think that lawmakers can sustain that kind of posture given everything you just described?
3: I think in terms of them being able to hang on to the sentiment that climate change isn't a thing or we can push it off another couple of years, I think the best way to change the lawmakers' minds is to vote those lawmakers out who aren't willing to listen to science and understand that climate change is a problem that we have now and it needs to be addressed yesterday. But today will do, right? We can't continue to stave this off and and seeing the politicians that refuse to take a stance that's going to help the environment is really unfortunate on so many levels but really it's the fact that it's impacting not just me here in Florida but everybody across the globe this is a global issue and i you know i wrote in a recent op-ed and we talked about the pandemic and lessons that we can learn one of the biggest lessons is to listen to the experts you know lawmakers they try to be at times dilettantes and experts in every type of field and area. But the reality is, is that they're not. And it's time that we listen to the experts. And I would hope that our lawmakers begin to listen. And if they're not going to listen, well, then the voters will pay attention, take note, and they'll show up to the polls On election day, and they'll vote for somebody who will listen to the experts.
4: And it seems that there are some lawmakers, at least at the national level, who get that, who hail from Florida. So Mm -hmm. obviously, Carlos Corbello was one who did lose his seat, but not for a lack of trying on climate change. And more recently, I know that he's not running for reelection, but Congressman Rooney has been an avid supporter of the carbon tax. And um, Matt Gates, also, who is very, very conservative, and I think he calls himself Trump's biggest fan. But anyway, he has um, made some pretty aggressive comments about the need for the Republican Party to be uh, active on climate change, which which gives me hope um, for sure.
3: Yeah. And I would also like to point out that Congressman Brian Mast in the Treasure Coast, he's also been a huge supporter of of figuring out how to solve climate change in Florida. And, you know, Congressman Rooney, absolutely. He's been such a huge supporter. And I will tell you that it will be a loss having him not having him in Congress in the next
4: year. I know I'm going to miss him. Maybe I can get him to come on the podcast before he leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, with Governor DeSantis taking office, it seems that there was a little bit of a shift as well that he gave top cover perhaps to some, the state level lawmakers to start taking the issue, climate change, seriously?
3: Yes, he definitely has been the environmental governor and he came in and, you know, guns blazing to really focus in on the environment. And I always, when asked about Governor DeSantis and climate change and where he is on that issue, I always tell people that he has a real opportunity within the vein of climate change to be the Teddy Roosevelt of Florida.
4: Well, I think every state needs their own Teddy Roosevelt for sure. And it would be great to see him replace the, the chief resilience officer who I know she recently left that post. That was really exciting to me when he created that cabinet position.
3: I think it's great. I think it is definitely paying attention to the fact that we have to start listening to the scientists. And I was so excited to see that and I hope that more states will follow.
4: Amen. Well, when we first had our talk about bringing you on to the Republician.org spokesperson team, I remember at the time, I didn't really know who you were. I knew a little bit. I followed you on Twitter, and I always liked your tweets. And then I found out you were friends with Alex Bosmosky, and he said, oh, you have to talk to her. You're going to love her. But I really didn't know that I was about to meet my eco soulmate, which <laughs> I really think you are. And well, well. I mean, I just want to take a second to gush to our listeners that today I went out to get the mail and I had a package from Mariana that was filled with homemade body wash and salt scrub products that she made. They're sustainable. I'm sure if I send the bottles back, maybe I can get a refill or at least get the (laughs) recipe and I cannot wait to use them so thank you so much that was really thoughtful of you you
3: are so welcome I you know over the weekend obviously with this whole pandemic people have begun to find a lot more free time and one of my favorite things to do is to make salt scrubs and homemade body washes for friends and I over the weekend was thinking about you and our lovely conversation the other week and I thought to myself you know I really think Chelsea would appreciate this and so I put it all together and sent it your way.
4: Well, if any listeners want to know your recipe, I'll send them your way. Um, (laughs) I do think that self-care is important during this time when there is a lot going on and and climate change is one of the many things that weighs on us, I think, from day to day. And and on that day to day front, when you and I were first connecting, we did latch on to this shared passion for personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and the small steps that we can take as individuals to reduce our carbon footprint. And along the way, reduce the amount of single-use plastic that we put into the world. So, I don't know. I think that that really kind of goes along with the walk the talk, Mm -hmm. um, you know, thing that you, you really, it's one thing to say, you know, to tweet something about climate change or to sign your name onto a bill, but you really need to, like, do a little bit more.
3: Yes. No, I think the thing is, is sometimes people get a little nervous to try and to, whether it's to try and be, you know, zero waste, so to speak, or to live a plastic-free existence. But the reality is, is if all of us imperfectly try to do this, then that is better than no one trying at all, if that makes sense.
4: Absolutely. So I'm just going to tell our listeners that this is the part of the episode I have been looking the most forward to since we started brainstorming guests for the show there are so many small steps that we can take as consumers in the spirit of personal eco-responsibility. And coming up, Marianne and I are going to share with you, our listeners, a few of our favorite eco-friendly products. But first, we're new to the podcasting world, and we need you to help us get the word out. Subscribe to the EcoRight Spe- Speaks podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Right Speaks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and hit subscribe. And while you're on the Apple podcast, please rate us. Five stars works best, but rating the podcast makes it easier for others to find us. And now back to the show and the discussion about eco-friendly products with Mary Anna Mancuso. So this, uh, my, my backstory with you really reminds me of my first interaction with Bob Inglis in person. I had been working for Republic EN probably about a year just doing some freelance work and they had an in-person retreat in DC and I was invited and this was back in the day when I called him Mr. Inglis and he was like please Bob because if you've ever met Bob listeners he is very humble he does not expect you to call him congressman or anything and it was at the end of this two-day retreat where I was really getting to know everybody I hadn't met anyone on the team except Alex Bosmoski, and bob and i kind of noticed at the same time that we both had carried our reusable water bottles both days and we're filling them up in the water fountains and stuff and this was even before you had the fancy ones that you could just put your bottle under you're trying to get the water fountain to pour in (laughs) anyway so bob at one point looks at me and said so i've noticed you've carried your bottle with you the last few days why and that year i had just made a commitment that i wasn't going to buy any plastic water bottles unless it was an emergency and prior to that i would buy two at the gym every time i went to the gym i was you know pretty lax about it and once i started using those re- reusable water bottles i can't go back i am just riddled with guilt if i do have to buy a bottle are
3: you showing me yours yeah <laughs> yes i've got my hydroflask with me i'm like i swear by it i have a glass one too that i just adore but um for multi-purpose daily use it's hydroflask <laughs>
4: So this might be too TMI for some of our listeners, but I am going to credit you for my new razor obsession. Because after that conversation that we had, so one product that I had a lot of heartache with was reusable or disposable razors. And part of the problem is, you know, it's fine you use the handle for a while and you would get the little um, replacement pieces, But you go to the grocery store and be like, wait, do I have the Venus or do I have the the Bic or do I have this other thing? I could never remember what kind I had and whether the little pieces were going to be the right fit. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I would just buy them thinking for sure they were the right ones and then they wouldn't. And did I ever take those back and get a refund or exchange them? No. So Marianna told me about a company called Albatross that makes a straight razor and you can hold on to the extra razors, and when you're ready to replenish your supply, you send the old used ones in and they'll repurpose them. And so that was something that was an upfront cost, but to get those razors, they're like five cents each or something, the actual blades. yes,
3: they're super inexpensive. It is, um, it's a terrifying razor to use. I, I can't even try and say that it's like the greatest thing ever since your Venus razor. The reality is, is it's terrifying. It requires a level of meditation and the shower of focus when you're using it. But if done correctly, you won't come out looking like you've just escaped a machete. So, And it does give a nice – it is a nice razor. Um, it just takes a, – there's a steep learning curve, and you either get on or you – You slowly back away and don't use it. But it is nice because you can
4: recycle the blades. The YouTube videos were really helpful too. And they're not super graphic. They're just informative.
3: (laughs) They are very informative that you want to make sure that you hold it at a certain angle and you don't apply too much pressure because too much pressure means that, well, you're going to dig right through your skin.
4: Is there a product you've been meaning to try that you haven't yet?
3: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited that you asked me this question because so over the weekend, as you know, I sent you this um, infographic on shipping and all of this stuff. Well, I stumbled upon it because I watched another one of those videos um, from my favorite zero waster. So apparently uh, one of the things that I've been wanting to try, but I haven't, and actually probably within the next few days I will. And it's just because I don't want to waste my toothpaste, but there's a eco-friendly toothpaste out called Bite, and it comes in a glass jar, and there are little toothpaste tabs that you bite into and then brush your teeth. And I currently have a tube of toothpaste, and so I'm waiting to finish it before I order this one, but that's the one I've been dying to try. I've tried – Lush is really great if you go and ask for a sample. You can try different um, tooth tabs, and I have, and they've been good, but they – getting stuck in your teeth and they're not necessarily like optimal for, you know, brushing your teeth on the go or whatever. So I want to try this new company called bite and I will report back after I've done. So it should be in the next few weeks.
4: So let's shift a little bit because one thing that I feel like is going to happen out of the COVID crisis is that we're going to lose some of this progress that we have made to change practices and people's minds on the use of plastic. And even today, Mm You know, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area on Friday, which is in two days. We're going to start um, phase one reopening, and that's going to include some dining in restaurants, except the dining in has to be outside. And one of the accommodations that they're saying they're going to make is having disposable um, silverware. Is that that's an oxymoron, disposable silverware, (laughs) (laughs) plasticware. And that just something just doesn't sit right with me for that and I understand the reason why and I know we're really super paranoid but also I'm afraid that we're just going to lose some ground.
3: Yes you know I hadn't actually heard about that. Things have started to reopen here in Florida and I can tell you that we haven't taken part in that. Um, My husband and I have been continuing to shelter in place and have been you know we're not going out to eat. um, You're not going to the beach? (laughs) Definitely not going to the beach. I'm not partying like they were in the Ozarks (laughs) over Memorial Day weekend either. No, I think and I think that's a family by family basis. Just for him and I, the decision that we made is that we were not ready to do that. And we completely respect other people that are choosing to do so. Um, But in terms of using disposable utensils, I'm I'm actually at a loss about that, Chelsea, which is that's that's really unfortunate. And I would hope that our listeners would be encouraged and almost emboldened to be able to bring their own silverware, which sounds kind of bizarre. But given the fact that I once went to a brunch with my mother-in-law that brought her own syrup, I don't think there's anything wrong with popping out with your own silverware. And then you also know it's been clean. There's no issue in terms of um, possible, like, contamination, if that's a word we want to use on this. But I think, you know, just put in a little in one of your beeswax bags.
4: Exactly, exactly. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation so much. It has been Likewise. a lot of fun. We will afterwards gather all the different links of things that we want other people to try <laughs> yes. out uh, so that we can have more um, people on our team of being a little more ecologically friendly and especially as we move out of these stay-at-home orders and move into trying to find some normal life I think it's just important to to remember that look at what was happening look at the changes in the planet since we've all had to stay at home.
3: Yeah and you know and I think one of the biggest things is is for people to understand that as we all search for this new normal as seems to be the, the phrase. But as we look for this new normal, let's not rush into trying to make things the way that they were, because the reality is, is they're not going to be that way. And that's okay. And if you feel comfortable bringing your silverware and your own container to a restaurant, and that's how you feel comfortable doing it, go for it. Don't let anybody steal your rainbow over this deal. Because really, at the end of the day, this is about your safety and your health. And if that's what makes you feel safe and healthy, go for it exactly
4: i love it and try a straight razor it might be yes. scary
3: but <laughs> you will steady. love it <laughs> yes absolutely wonderful thank you so much chelsea i have had a blast thank uh, you. doing this with you and i really appreciate you inviting me on
4: well it's just the first time so we'll definitely have you back for more we'll find some other fun things to bond over i'm sure
3: <laughs> i look forward to it wonderful
4: thank you so much
0: We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode.
4: And that's a wrap. I want to thank Mariana Mancuso, the first guest of our EcoRight Speaks podcast. And I also wanted to give a big shout out to Price Atkinson, one of my team members here. Uh, he was alongside me. For the past couple of years dreaming about this podcast and really was the engine that kept the train moving and putting it together. Thanks, Price, for being the best producer I could ever imagine.
5: Thanks, Shells. It feels like we're birthing a new child for the first time because we it feels like we've been in labor for months talking about <laughs> wanting to do this, even going back to the fall. And, you know, we just kind of kept planting the seeds, planting the seeds, and then we started growing and you know producing and bam what a great job you have done here uh hosting the very first the inaugural episode of the eco right speaks podcast i for one like you am thrilled to get this project off the ground
4: it really is great to feel that this dream has finally come to fruition and you know we are a very small team at republican.org for our listeners who don't know and we're very decentralized, so we all work from home, even before the coronavirus, we're in different places. And so when you can just have a shared vision and put something together, I think it feels all the more uh, fulfilling. So thank you for all your efforts and your help. and for those who also don't know Price is just an expert at everything radio and recording so
1: everything I've learned in the past 6 weeks I've learned from you Price
5: you have been a quick study young Chelsea Henderson you have been fantastic very very easy and a natural when you're talking on your microphone but you know it it, it in a in a way you know and we certainly I say this you know with 100% humor you know I you know it we are in a way lucky um and I and I very mean that very loosely, lucky, but you know with the coronavirus and everything hit, you know like everybody, we were kind of in a space where you kind of have to reinvent what you're doing in a lot of ways, and you know I know that you know we have talked about this and wanted to get this off the ground, but you know having a little bit more time on our hands, especially in the summer months, without as many you know events and traveling. You know, this just gave us another content piece to to reach out to our Republican community, you know all our members and and certainly you know people and and, and folks that you know our listeners may know that aren 't a member of our community uh, to let them know about what we do and, and hopefully if they like this episode and certainly all the subsequent episodes we 're going to be have coming have coming in the you know the future weeks you know they 'll share that with their friends and family and people they think that might be interested you know, and some of the interviews and, and the points of view and news and other things that we're going to share because we're going to have some fun uh, along the way. But, you know, this first one has, has definitely been a lot of fun, Chelsea.
4: We're definitely going to have some fun and we appreciate all our listeners, all our followers. Please, please, please subscribe to us on your favorite way to hear podcasts. It could be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever your favorite venue is. Find us. Subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. That will help other people find us. Tell your friends. Let us know who you want to listen to, and we will do our best to get those eco-right voices to your ears. I want to let our listeners know that I'm particularly excited about next week's episode where I'm talking to Lance Lawson, who is a—he um, just graduated from high school in Florida— He was one of our county youth chairs and one of our youngest spokespeople on the team. He is going to appear with his father, Brian Anderson, and they're going to talk about how Lance changed his dad's mind on climate change. Lance wrote a really
1: fascinating op-ed with us for us about this topic earlier in the year, and they just have such a compelling story and a great relationship, and I can't wait to share them with our listeners.
5: Yeah, that's going to be a great interview, and and folks, you know, like you said, you, you know, Lance changed his dad's mind, and you know, some people ask, why do we and Bob, why, why do we speak on college campuses a lot, and uh, to young professionals and and high school students, and you know, that that's one of the reasons is that uh, you know that their kids can oftentimes change mom and dad's opinion, and this is you know one of those stories and cases, and so I think everybody's going to want to hear. Chelsea's great interview you had with uh, Lance and his dad. So, you know, make sure to, again, subscribe and and hit that subscribe button because it will be delivered right to your smartphone, your iPad, whatever it is you use to listen to podcasts every single week, next week.
4: All right. Well, I look forward to hearing more voices and uh, sharing those conversations with all of our friends. Thanks, Price, so much.
5: Thanks, Chelsea. We'll do it again next week. All right. See you then.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco-Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local Eco-Right leader.